back in the day. Like I used to be a ghost rider. Did I ghost ride for? Uh, no one you've ever, no one you've ever heard of. Like the the most like successful song I ever wrote. Um, is like honestly kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> Uh, is this guy named Jim, it's a guy named ABM Jimmy, I wrote this, and we were in the studio together, and like, yeah, we were just like, I just wrote, I, I, like, it was called, it's called Hotel Room, and, uh, I wrote it, like, right before COVID, I wrote it, like, January of 2020, like, so I used to, so I used to be a, I used to be into slam poetry, yeah, so, I was rocking that scene all over Dallas, over Dallas Fort Worth, and like you know, I had like cats come up to me and be like, "Yo, we write like come write for me in the studio," and so you know we go to like the we go to like the studio sessions, and you know you know how that is like especially like yeah. like I count myself as an amateur professional like producer. You can't be an amateur and a professional. <laughs> You're a professional if you get paid. That's what it. Hey, means. I'm a walking oxymoron. Okay. But yeah, man, I'm telling you, like, uh, yeah, like, that was, like, a way to be, like, creatively fulfilled, but, like, uh, you know, just people, like, they would have to get high at a certain spot, and, like, and, like, there would be this, like, weird, like, equilibrium they'd have to hit, like, they couldn't, they couldn't record sober, because it was just bad, or because, like, they didn't feel like they were, like, creative enough, and then, like, you know, so, like, what I do, I don't know if you've worked, you've been in, you've been in studios where you worked with, like, ghostwriters, now Ghost Rush is just like people making making the mixtapes, having their boys in, just kind of like recording their tracks. And then for me, it was also just like a time for me just like around like play some play some beats. Yeah, I remember we do that. So like you know, so you know, as like a producer, you have like like I guess like a selection of beats you walk into a studio with. You got like a catalog. Yeah. That's kind of how it is for ghostwriting. Like I'd have like kind of mood things. And, like, I tell cats all the time, I'd be like, look, you know, you want, uh, you want to get successful, you want to blow up, you know, you want, or you, you got, got to let, you know, let someone else write for you, because if someone else be writing for you, you know, you may not necessarily be the best writer, but you could have, like, things that kind of cut know. through, you know, and, like, it's just all part of the creative process, I mean, it's not the, it's the music business, not the... Like, there's the difference between the business side and the art. Like, yeah, and there is, like, an artistic side to, like, poetry like, and, like, that sort of music. Like, my favorite song I ever wrote, like, I don't even think, I think it never got uh, published. Yeah, it kind of sucks, and, like, for me, like, I consider, like, the worst song I ever wrote, like, I'll see the Spotify streams, and then we'll get to the episode. But, yeah, I remember he was just, like, he, he just had a guitar, and he was, like, strumming on it, he just could not play guitar, so. Like, he just had a guitar and didn't know how to play? Pretty much, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Ghost Rider. It's not as glamorous as it sounds, um, but you know, nothing ever really came of it. I still have like I still make a little bit of bread from that, but it's just residual. It's like two cents here and there. So, <laughs> all, right. all right, let's start the show. Podcast where your two hosts are two humanitarian workers from the south, 
Uh, we're living far from home, exploring the differences in our regionality, culture, and across the world. I'm Sam, and I'm joined by Prey. Prey, how's it going, man? Too bad. How's it going, Sam? Dude, I'm good, man. You know. Yeah. So uh, today's topic is uh, culture shock, uh, and you know. It's, it's interesting, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, you know, you're Southern first and American second, and there, for me, I had like a big, like, sort of culture shock when I, like, first moved up to the nation's capital. Well, yeah, it, it is a whole different feel and vibe to this area. It's a tri-state area, you're literally in three different, like, I mean, technically two different states and a federal district, mm-hmm. but like... You do find that in like the bigger cities in the south, but like up here, whole different like ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like uh, what's it? It's a, it's they say it's a southern climate with northern hospitality, and I found that to be pretty true. You know. Yeah, when you put it like that, it does make sense. Mm-hmm. Because you know, like there are assholes in the city. Today, like you know, we were talking about you know, okay, our topic like culture shock, and so we talked about this like. W curve of culture shock that we found from the University of Marquette, shout out to the University of Marquette, um, and basically, so I'm gonna go through like my or my own experience when I came here. So like for me, like I've moved around like a, I moved around a fair amount. Like you know, I grew up in Louisiana, uh, spent two years in Arkansas, three years in Texas, and now I'm here. So for me, like the, the more times I the more times I do this, like the easier it becomes. But it's never so easy that it just kind of like is like, oh yeah, it's instant. Like, you know, you come here and it can be something as crazy as like like for so something I noticed when I first moved here, like or for like that was really different from Texas that kind of set me off was like people people really aren't as friendly here. Like you can Walk, you can walk down the street in the south in Texas and, like, in Arkansas and Louisiana and just be, like, and just say hi to some random person on the street and be, like, or, you know, like, uh, I remember, like, the first week I was here, um, I was, like, walking in my neighborhood and this woman was, like, jogging and I was, like, kind of cheering her on. I was, like, yeah, good job. Look, good job. Go with you. And she goes, F- off, creep. And I'm, like, okay. Jeez. Yeah, no, like, when I first moved up here, like, because, you know, down in the south, like, you say hi to your neighbor. Say hi to everyone. Yeah. So, like, my, like, initial instinct come down here anytime I pass by a person is to, like, you know, say hi. Don't know who the person is. Don't know if they live in my neighborhood. I just say hi to every person that just walks by my path. And it took me such a while just to get out of that habit because, like, that's not a thing here. And others probably find that more creepy than, like, endearing like we do. Especially, like, as men, you know? And especially, like, with like with women... Because, like, and again, this is not unjustified, like, you know, they're, it's a big city, you know, women are more likely to experience sexual violence than men, Uh, that's just... It's, like, totally justified, I was about to say, since we are in a big city, like, you know, it is very much like a real, like, realistic possibility in the back of their minds, so they're always on guard. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, you get this, like, culture shock, and it really is, like... When you get that culture shock, like, man, I don't know about you, but, like, that really, like, that really, like, kind of bumps me out. It kind of dampens my mood. Like, I get, like, physically, like, it, it hurts me, you know? Because, like, 
you realize that, like, again, you're way away from home, you're not with anyone, and you can kind of get homesick, and then you start to kind of deal with these, like, like, literal, like, a system shock, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people, if you especially moved around or, like, you know, if you moved away from your hometown, you go somewhere else, like, it gets worse the farther you're out. So, like, you going from, like, Texas all the way to, like, the nation's capital. That's a huge, like, distance. And so, that, like, you go in a vast region of, like, cultures and laying in this one. Mm-hmm. Like, for mine, my biggest one was, like, anytime I go to any country besides, like, the U.S., like, it's always a weird culture shock. Because, like, I mean, usually we'd be staying there for an extended period of time. So, either way, you kind of have to learn to readjust your life. And it, just, it gets depressing because it's just, like, you're used to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And, like, all the, everyone you know, all your friends, the rest of your family and all that are so far away, you can't go see them like you usually do. You know, you feel down, you really do get depressed. Like, you know, it's still a new area, you haven't made new friends there. Like you said, you feel alone, and you feel very much homesick. But, you know, like, the thing is, like, as human beings, we're creatures of habit, and eventually, when you're in a new place long enough, you form habits, and you kind of bounce back, and you kind of... You kind of start thriving. You start getting into a new routine. You get used to seeing new faces. You get used to not everyone waving at you back, waving back at you, you know. And you kind of recover, and then you eventually like adapt to a new life, or to your new life in your new place. You know, that's how it is for me. But then, you do this thing where you go home, or you go back to your own, your home culture, and you would experience a reverse culture shock, you know? Yeah. But honestly, that one doesn't take it, like, as long as a recovery time. Oh, no, it's not. But, like, you still are... But, like, you still, like, have to be, like, mindful of those, like... And I guess for me, like, whenever I go home, I know it's not, like, permanent. So I kind of obfuscate that. But there, there have been times where I've, like, retired home for, like, weeks or months at a time where it's just like, God damn. Yeah. And the simplest way I can describe it is, like... It's like one of your friends that just came back from a study abroad in Spain, mm-hmm. and they always go, it's Barcelona. Barcelona. Sí. So it's like, they when they first come back, they're just so, like, uppity about that shit, and then, like, after a while. No, not, like, not necessarily. I think you just had douchebag friends. I pretty much probably did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just, like, like you, people will be uppity about it, but, like, you know, but also, like, you know, not everyone who go, does a study abroad in Spain is a dick. Yeah, no, but, like, you you met some people like that. Yeah, but when they like, come back, well, like as like they kind of my best way of describing is like they appropriated that culture, and it's just like they're so yeah they're trying to like express themselves like oh I just came back I'm so cultured and like oh no we did this in Spain no we did this in Italy like did you know in Italy like they have like dinner at this amount of time like. You've met people like that. You've got to. Oh, yeah, no, like, but, like, what does it really mean to be, like, cultured? You know what I mean? Like, 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 in our line of work as humanitarian workers, like, I feel like we have a lot of, like, in, like cultural interaction with, with, their, with people from different cultures, like, and you know this, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a white man, I'm a, I'm a, pra- I'm, I'm a Catholic, uh, but I say inshallah. Yeah. And I, and I do that because, you know, I have, like, because I hear it all, I hear like inshallah, mashallah all the time, and you know, that's kind of like that's how speech works. It kind of like, it kind of like bleeds into you know, you hear something and it kind of goes into how you carry yourself, and that's kind of how I feel like 
That's how I feel like culture is. So, like, I feel like, you know, you kind of, like, wherever you go, you kind of, like, take a little piece of it with you, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, like, something also unique to, like, America and, like, how... You know, we have this, like, perception of culture as just this, like, static entity and this, like, one idea of what it actually is. When really that's not the case, you know? It's constantly, I'm, you know... I'm saying, like, more of, like, for, like, American culture, like, a lot of, like, we have a lot of different people from around the world. And so, like, how, you know, the whole thing about America being a melting pot, the, like, assimilation in American society, you're still able to retain your culture, still able to share it with people. And I think that's what's the beauty of it. Like, again, you're able to share it in other countries, but, like, you're not able to, like... It's not the same as America. I would agree with that, you know, just because of, like, the diversity of, like, immigrant uh, populations that have come here. But, like, in the like in the UK, like, uh, traditionally, like, it, it's a predominantly white nation, uh, but, you know, in the past, you know, I don't know, 50, 60 years, a lot of immigrants from South Asia have come over and brought their, like, uh, and brought their, obviously they bring their culture and their way of life with them because that's the only way they know how to live life. They don't necessarily assimilate as they do sort of promulgate. They, uh, you know, there's like a bunch of, they opened up a bunch of like restaurants in there and, uh, you know, they sold, and they sold curry and, you know, other Indian food or South Asian foods and sort of made it this, I guess, you know, and sort of like, and it, and it became so ubiquitous that people, you know, uh, our age in their 20s and their 30s like and even like teenagers right now grew up eating curry and grew up eating this like South Asian food even though none of their ancestors may have come from South Asia yeah I mean it's general cultures fun fact do you know what the uh, national dish of the UK is I do not what, what do you think it would be um jellied eels I feel like that would be more like, you know, Finland and all. Like, no, jelly eels, dude. You never heard of jelly eels? Like, we're jelly jelly eels. I feel like that's not like a. Well, well it, the national dish of like the UK is actually uh, chicken tikka masala. Really? Yeah, a lot of people think it would be fish and chips, but it's also like tikka masala was also created in the UK. Mm-hmm. Just how like yeah. how fortune cookies were. I mean, the US. It's just like had that like association mm-hmm. because of like. Uh, the cultures that, like, it was kind of based off of. Yeah, and it just kind of became so ubiquitous that it kind of became this thing that people just associated with, you know. Yeah, but yeah, this, these are these are jelly deals. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Looks, it, that was kind of gross. Hey, that's, uh, you know, don't don't knock it till you try it, dog. I mean, that's true. Like, I did eat, like, the, uh, when I was in the UK, blood sausages, and that was actually pretty good. Blood sausages are good, like... Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a thing, like, talk about, like, you know, Southern culture or, you know, D.C. culture. But, like, you know, there's no real one way to define, like, what is and isn't Southern culture, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but one thing that I do love about America is, like, when people are interested in your culture, they're really interested and they actually want to learn. Like, you meet a lot of people, especially in our line of work, where they're truly interested in, like, not only, like, helping out the clients, but also, like, learning about their culture Mm -hmm. and, like, kind of, like, helping them embrace American culture and kind of, like, feed off of each other. I don't know. We have an idea of, like, American culture, but I feel like the way we perceive it as, like, a static thing 
is not entirely congruent with reality. You know, oh, no, I mean? like so, like there's different, like again, there's southern culture, there's like northern culture, there's mm. like midwestern culture. I guess just corn. <laughs> no, there is. there's no Midwest. And then the West just has wildfire and drought. Yeah, yeah we get a lot of rain here. I'm just like, can we just take that rain that and push, push it, it somewhere, somewhere else? else? SpongeBob. <laughs> no, yeah. So, yeah, and also like you know, I feel like Louisiana culture has is like a little more pronounced. I mean, yeah, or not like, pronounced. No, not pronounced, but like it's more famous. Like when people think Louisiana, North, compared like to North like, Carolina culture, you know, there really isn't much of it. I don't know. I feel like and I feel like that gets amalgamated to like Southern culture in of itself. Like I mean, there's a lot of like traditions and like events that happen in, uh, in North Carolina. That's like I feel like it's more like state specific. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you so? What's a tenet of, like, North Carolina culture that you consider to be a tenet of North Carolina culture? You know what I mean? So, like... Basketball. We, no. You don't get to... No, basket... What? Bro, college basketball? No, okay, yeah. You, not, you can't just say, oh, basketball. Like, what? As, like, a, as, as a sport, like... Uh, I mean, like, but... They play basketball. collegiate sports is a huge culture in so, North Carolina. Like, there's, so many divi- there's so many teams, there's so many people divided, families, like feud over each other over every like Duke and UNC game like so you're talking like college basketball as like yeah the the oh yeah college basketball so I, mean, I feel like that's like the biggest thing mm-hmm. like I mean again all like professional and like collegiate sports are a huge thing in North Carolina but like college basketball that like March Madness is our month and we go fucking crazy Oh, yeah, no, like, uh, you got UNC, NC State, uh, Duke, uh, Duke, uh, Wilmington. Oh, they made it two times in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not recently anymore. NC, AT&T. Oh, uh, A&T? Yeah, it was a joke, that was a joke. NC AT&T. Hey, man, don't, don't be putting hate on A&T. G-Hole is lit. I, I bet it is. Oh, Wake? Eh. Chris Paul went there, man. Still eh. <laughs> Charlotte? Oh, yeah, Queen City. Yeah, the Miners. Or the 49ers. Yeah, but... Mm-hmm. but NC Pulled Pork. We talked about the East, West, North Carolina, uh, like, divide and barbecue. Yeah. And also, there's, like, a lot of divide within, like, you know, rural and urban areas. Mm-hmm. Like, in my urban area, like, we celebrate, like, more diversity and, like, I mean, because, like, in my city, like, that's where, like, the sit-ins happen a lot of, like, you know, civil rights uh, activism started there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a whole culture built around it, like, it's, since we have, like, two HBCUs, so, like... What, what are the, or what are the HBCUs in Greensboro? Uh, is it UNCG? Uh, no, UNCG is just a, I mean, it's a minority plus... PWI, but it's uh, mm-hmm. North Carolina A&T University and uh, Bennett College. Oh, Bennett? Yeah. Okay, word. Like, influence from the civil rights era. Yeah, and that kind of, uh, do you think that kind of informs, like, the uh, the new sort of, like, culture wave, I guess, or, like, the, or how culture, like, sort of evolves and grows in North Carolina? Oh, of course, like, there's been, like, um, and it's kind of crazy to see, because, like, now, when I go into, like, 
Because, you know, when you're a kid, you're not really going to, like, downtown and then, like, looking at, like, what adults usually do. But when you actually become an adult and actually go explore downtown, I saw how little my city really is. Progressive trying to go. Because, um, I remember, like, there's a whole arts district in, like, the neighboring city of Winston-Salem where, you know, Wake, Wake is. The Dash. But, like, there's a whole art district, like, very much lively neighborhoods. And then you can get the divide the second you cross into a rural area. Mm-hmm. And, like, you get this feel of, like, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, that's also something I, I wanted to, I just thought of, like, you know, we identify ourselves based on what we are not, you know? So, like, you, it takes you leaving a place to know, to identify with that place, you know what I mean? Like, I, for me, I never, like, had any sort of pride of, like, I never had any sort of, like, Louisiana pride when I like lived there. I grew up there. I spent 18 years there. I, I hated it. I thought, you know, I hated Shreveport. You know, I hated North Louisiana. I hated, you know, the the farmland. I hated the swamp. I thought it was hot. I hated alligators. And then the second I moved to Arkansas. Oh, that was your first mistake. Well, yes. Uh, that was a that was a big mistake. Arkansas is trash. <laughs> No, it's like, it's like a top two, it's like the bottom two, like, worst states in the country. Uh, but yeah, no, so, like, it took me, like, leaving Louisiana, going to Arkansas, and then my whole identity there was, like, I, I'm a guy, I'm that guy from Louisiana. I'm here in Arkansas. And, you know, so, then, like, my nickname in college was Swamp, or my first two years was Swamp Donkey. Because, like, you know, like, because, you know, Louisiana swamps, you know, I don't know how it got there, but, like, Swamp Donkey. And then, you know. And my first thought would have been, like, I would have called you Mardi Gras. Mm. So that's my first thought when someone says Louisiana, I'm thinking Mardi Gras. Yeah, well, Swamp Donkey. <laughs> yeah, then, you know, when I moved to Texas, uh, I was, like, you know... I was more of, like, proud to be... I was still proud to be from Louisiana. I didn't consider myself an Arkansan ever. I was, like... I kind of, like, reified this idea of, like, oh, yeah, I'm from Louisiana as, a, uh, you know... And Louisiana, as Boosie would say. I listened to Boosie, but I didn't really, like, f- heavy with Boosie until I was, like, in in Texas, and, like, the guy I was living with all, was a guy I went to high school with, and he was from Louisiana, so, like, we kind of would, uh, we would kind of go hard on that, we'd be like, yo, we're from Louisiana, make gumbo, you know, we make, make gumbo, make, you know, talk about ourselves, and, like, you know, it took me, like, leaving Louisiana to, like, really identify with being a Louisianian, and then, when I moved here, it took me moving all the way up here to really identify myself, like, as a southerner. Like, like to t- go back to the culture shock, like, I noticed, like, when I would meet other people from the South, I'd kind of code switch with them, you know? Yeah. And, like, and like, like when we started working together. Like, the Southern Twang came out really hard. Mm-hmm. But now, like, that, even though I don't really recognize it or hear myself, a lot of people, anytime I travel outside the South, people are like, you're from the South? How'd you know? Mm-hmm. I could tell from the voice. I was like, Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I think, because, like, again, like, I said on the last episode, like, I never thought I had a southern accent until, like, I had to be told I had a southern accent. It's like, you know. Because, like, you're around so many people that talk the same. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
they're not gonna notice the difference until you go out and see someone like meet someone else and it's just like you talk different like you talk different mm-hmm. like what do you mean like no you talk you do talk yeah I do kind of like I do find myself like going to these like southern like kind of I guess malapropisms and yeah dude like it just kind of it just kind of gets me to a place where I'm like you know I am like I am proud to be from the South. There's no place I'd rather be from. But then again, you know, there's this, there are these other ideas, there are these other cultural ideas about the South that I think we can get to in the second half of the episode. But for now, we're going to take a break and do some uh, fake ad read. Music in the background, dog. Today's episode is brought to you by Nike, advancing social justice for people of color by using slave labor. Brought to you by Pepsi. We can stop racial violence one Pepsi at a time. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the British Museum. We steal your shit, and you get to go see it on display thousands of miles away from you. This episode is, of course, brought to you by Raytheon. Raytheon giving girls in Yemen up close lessons in nuclear physics. This episode is brought to you by Starbucks. We say fair trade. We say it's a fair trade. This episode is brought to you by Coca-Cola. The only unions we support are same-sex unions. But anyway, so... Yeah, we're talking about, like, cultural narratives and culture shock. And there's this, like, one really cool... Or, not cool, but, like, there's this one narrative, like, I've noticed, like, being from the South, coming to the North, is, like... We were talking about this a little bit uh, off mic, but, like... The southern style of racism versus the northern style of racism. Or not even, like, just northern, just, like, everywhere else. Well, everywhere else, we'll, we'll limit the scope to America right now. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about, like, in America itself. Like, you got the, no- like the north, the west, and the midwest. Yeah, but, like, uh, so... No, it's the midwest is just... I just can't think of anything else besides corn for you guys. Well, Chicago. I thought Chicago was its own thing. Chicago's in the midwest. I mean, technically, yeah, but, like, Chicago, Chicago. Yeah, but it's, like, the hub of the Midwest, dude. Yeah, you know what the Midwest is? Young and rest. <laughs> Come on, man. We're restless people. Might jack your necklace. You but know? not, like, the Southern-style racism, I'm, like, I prefer that more than, like, anywhere, anywhere else, because, like, it's at least more direct. As a gentleman of color, so. Yeah, it's at least more direct. If I, like, so, like, I know someone's being really racist to me, because they'll literally say the racist in front of you. They do not give a At least that way you know. But up in the north, like, they passively, like, use racism. And, you know, they seem so uppity because they think racism is more of like a southern thing. That, like, the south has a racism problem. Not the north. Not everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like, they have their, they have such a very progressive view of themselves. And in actuality, it's not, like, like, in the south, we're more cognizant of like, the South having such a racist background. Yeah, because that stuff is, like, literally built into, like, parts of, like, the South, you know? Like, and again, and again, like, not to, not to discount any of the struggles that, like, exist in the South, and, like, but, you know, in the North, there is, like, there's racism, people just don't, like, people just aren't as, like, upfront about it. Yeah, and here's the crazy thing is, like, when it comes, like, if you look at school integration, the South is actually, like, the region with the most integration. The mm-hmm. North is actually the most segregated 
like school system out there. Oh yeah, like, or you know, have you ever been to I don't I don't know Baltimore, uh, New York, um, you know? Oh yeah, like when you think of a, as a person of color, when you think of the city of Boston, what's your first reaction? Racist. Yeah. <laughs> like, also, then like throwing tea down the hob. Like, dude, Jack, like, Jack Nicholson in fucking The Departed literally drops a hard R in the first five minutes in the monologue. Yeah, again, like... Like, yeah, it's Bo- that's Boston. Boston was actually the most racist, like, city in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, like... It's all because, like, again, the Civil Rights Act, like, specifically was made to target the South because it was the most racist, so, like, a lot of the integration, all the, like, you know, racial, like, breakdown... At least to a certain degree. And that does... A lot now of it's that, more focused on the South. And it's very much needed, but... But uh, there's, like, this narrative... There's this narrative of, like, Northern supremacy over the South. The North is this, like, sort of safe haven for... That kind of... That goes back to, like, Civil War era policies. Or, like, in Reconstruction. But, yeah. you know, it's there of this idea of, like, oh, you know, well, you know, the North is, like, just this... It, people people are progressive here, and like in or in, it exists in California too. It exists in basically everywhere that's not the South. That people just have this idea that like, oh well, you know, this is this is the place to be for you know minorities. But like, yeah, for in it's kind of like what you were talking about slacktivism the other day. Yeah, because it's just like they're like those poor people. They should have those basic rights if they come over here. Like. They, we will grant them all that, and then like they come into their neighborhood, and like, whoa, buddy, I didn't want you to actually come here. Not in my backyard. Yeah, like you know, do you ever? Uh, and I think like this is like there, there are parts of culture that I think are like really good for equalizing. You know, things like uh, you know, you know, what was really big for getting the University of Alabama integrated was their football program. Yeah. And like, because when they had like uh, when they had black allowed black players to play they started to win more and again like and again like yeah normatively you could speak to it all you want but I don't know I feel normally you could speak to you could speak to yeah well it should have been this way it should have not been this way but it kind of comes down to who gets to make those decisions yeah um, but yeah it's like the fact and should sports really be the indicator of whether or not we treat people as equals absolutely not I know so, yeah, there, there's a lot of culture shock when it comes to, like, coming up more north because, like, that was the assumption. And then, like, when you kind of, like, realize, like, damn, racism is everywhere. Yeah. But it's this... also just, like, the crazy thing is, like, how, especially with that, like, whole Alabama, like, football story is that, you know, cultures kind of mingle together, like, slowly but surely. And that's also something I want to talk about, especially about, like, our clients coming in. Mm-hmm. Like, because for them, like, th- that's the biggest culture shock I can, like imagine for a human being to actually go through yeah and like it's so weird when you think about like our clients who are fleeing like they're like they're humanitarian immigrants so they're fleeing like violence and it's like you're about to like i remember this is like not by choice like usually if you're immigrating to a new place like you kind of like made that choice of I want to go here. You kind of have an expectation. You know, you're going to have, like, mental preparedness for it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're a humanitarian immigrant, like, most of the cases, you don't. You're just, you just leave. Yeah, shit. That's fight or flight, dog. Yeah. You know? And it's it's so weird, you know, because I would, I'm, I'm, I 
going to be fascinating to see this in like 10 or 15 years when like or even 20 years when like they're doing studies on like uh like the afghan like refugee crisis who came into the schools at that who came into like who came into school and how that just kind of like kind of exploded and again like you can't even really like for me it's like it's hard to like you can't even like do like these logic leaps that like people do for like Hispanic or, or well I guess people from like Central America it's like they're coming here to take our jobs like no 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 like this is a this is a con like this is a country that we actively assisted and abetted in their destabilization we uprooted these people's lives uh, as the United the go our government uprooted these people's lives and now we're dealing with the backlash we literally like have absolutely no right to be mad at them exactly like this is kind of like I'll follow around our own, especially like it's kind of like, um, like after the Vietnam War, all the Vietnamese immigrants, like that was kind of like how the situation is. You can't really blame them for coming here. That, but what you brought up is actually a very good point because that, that every time I do like an airport pickup or like bring uh, the clients to their new home, I always like look at the kids because it's just like it's funny to see because like the small ones, you know, for a fact they're gonna be Americanized. By the time they're adults, mm -hmm. like they're gonna be full on like, like American bro, like mm -hmm. like you're gonna have like all these uh yeah they're they're no accent and they're the ones who usually pick up the language quicker yeah they're the usual usually the ones that are gonna pick up the language quicker and the ones that are gonna be translating documents for the parents, um, mm -hmm. which uh, our resettlement agency does not permit yeah but you know it does happen a lot because it's just like. It's convenient for a lot of them. It, you know, if you're an adult and you kind of like plan into the situation, it's hard for you to like readjust. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel that for a lot of like our clients is that, you know, and again, like one of the big things that we had to deal with was mental health, not only with like the clients but ourselves, because like you know, they're going through a lot of trauma. They're sad. They're alone. Like they just been uprooted. They are scared for their families. They're still stuck. Uh, the ones that are still waiting to come here. You know. For a lot of them, it's like they're going through a lot and, you know, themselves adjusting. But, you know, with time, it actually kind of, like, comes through. So you see, like, in my in my experience, like, I've seen clients that just came here, you know, still, like, you know, and you see it, too, like, where they're kind of hesitant to speaking. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they have a lot of questions or have a lot of concerns or worried. And then after a while of working with them, you know, you help them out, they become less stressed. And then, like, you know, they... You see them trying to be more and more, like, Americanized. They're trying to engulf themselves in the culture more. And, like, the fun parts are, like, when, like, clients, like, start to, like, speak more English to with mm -hmm. you. Like, yeah. Yeah, and for me, like, the growth, like, the one of my favorite things about this job is, like, being able to, like, see that pronounced growth. Like, uh, we had one gentleman who, the first time uh, I spoke with him, he was, like... He was kind of, he was very standoffish. Uh, you know, he was like, you know, I remember I called him on the phone uh, as part of our deal, and he goes, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing. You can't, you know, I'm here legally. You can't even say anything about me. And it's like, like, dude, we're, I'm, try, I'm trying to help you. And then sure enough, you know, slowly but surely, this man and his spouse, like, adjust to life in the United States brilliantly. Yeah. To the point where 
you know, he's like, he's actively like telling jokes. He's actively like cracking jokes with me, and like, uh, I, I'm not gonna get anything too specific just to protect him, but like, yeah, like we help him like, you know, deal with like a shitty situation where he kind of got tricked. Damn, I forgot about that one. But then, like, you know, we help connect them, and then, like, he also used that as an avenue to, like, connect with, like, the broader community here. You know, that probably, like, helped out a lot in his transition, because, like, when you're with, like, you know, people of your, like, of similar stature, you have something to connect with. You're able to, like, bond over, like, your common, like, like situation, and, like, you kind of, like, help each other out, building it up. And I feel like that's a great, like, resource for our clients, too. Like, a lot of them are not alone. Yeah, and we also have, like, that's another thing with, like, uh, the U.S. we have with the, that's, like, it's a very individualistic culture, and a lot of our clients come from cultures that are very collectivist, so kind of, like, and this idea of, like, oh, you know, or, you know, it takes a village, but, like, you know, it's a, kind of, it's one of those things, man, so. Honestly, I always feel like America's, like, even though we're so individualistic, we're also very altruistic. Are we? Honestly, you and know, what's the other, well, what, help me understand what you mean by that. Like, you know, America's actually one of the most, like, charitable nations in the world. Again, we have a lot of money, but, but it's also the fact that, like, there are situations where, like, a lot of, um, even though we're kind of, like, focused on ourselves, we will take the time to help out someone in need. Like, very altruistic and, like, at least doing the right thing in our perspective. Sometimes what we say is doing the right thing it happens to fuck up more than what it needs to yeah, so what I was thinking about that, you know, where we really kind of have these, like, broader communities that come and help people out, you know, that idea that it takes a village. And, again, for me, like, that culture shock can be sort of absorbed by the community. It's kind of like, you know, if the people... Like, you want to, like, hear what to do for someone who looked at, who's done it before. Exactly. It, it feels a lot better because they can be like, hey, buddy, look, 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 I was in the same shoes you were. Mm-hmm. This is how, what I did. Mm-hmm. Everything's gonna be all right. It just seems scary now because, like, you're just getting used to it. Mm-hmm. Like if you're playing a card game, yeah, and uh, you know, like let's say you're let's say you're going over to your buddy's house for a card for like a game night, yeah, and they're playing. Everyone's playing a game. Like you're playing spades. Like you're playing spades, but you never played spades before, bro. That's like that's the worst feeling ever. Oh yeah, that's what it. But that's what it's like, like for these people every day. You yeah. know when they come here, but. Who's the person that's best that is best equipped to explain it? The person who most recently learned how to do spades, and then someone comes in after you, yeah. and they're and they like don't understand. You just understood. It's like, oh, you're better off at explaining it than the person before you. Because they're gonna make it more complicated. The person who just recently learned is like, oh no no, they know the like the basic rules. You kind of learn as you go, like what moves and mm-hmm. how to best like coordinate with like your spades partner. You know, when you first starting off, like. I don't know if you played spades with people who are serious about playing spades. No, I, I, I honestly don't know how to play spades. Well, I will tell you this. It is a very heated game. It's like Monopoly on steroids. Like, it's that level of friendship-breaking, like, competition. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. You ever play spoons? Is it the one where you just, like, collect a bunch of spoons? No, it's like, so, it's kind of like musical chairs, but, like, there are the spoons, and there's, like, six people, five spoons, and you have to, like fight over the spoon. I don't know. It's kind of... That's off, that's off topic. So, like, in terms of, like, culture shock, we do our best to help our clients absorb these things. What I was thinking is, like, uh, and this is, like, a... This is the guy, like, work, this is something I run into all the time. Like, how can I... And I do the... And I try to do this myself. Like, how can I learn as much as I possibly can about the culture of the clients I serve 
so I can help them the best. Like, you know, um, it's all fine and dandy to be like, hey, Mr. X from Y country, uh, I know, I, I know about, you know, this specific type of smoked meat you have. It's like, okay, cool. But like, is it, do you think it's possible to like have knowledge and like be able to relate to someone about a culture by just reading about it, or do you have to, or do you think you actually have to go and experience and live it? I feel like you don't really have to go and experience and live it. What do you really honestly have to do is just like you know, I feel like reading about it is like a good jumping off point that for you to go talk to someone from that culture, mm-hmm. just to like you know tell them like you know I just read this article about like your homeland and like and you know just kind of have like an honest conversation and like just to learn about what they're saying. Like, don't try to, like, you know, put your own, like, thoughts and beliefs into it. Just be like, that's, you know, just kind of, like, intake all that information and be like, that's interesting. And, like, you know, the little things that, like, you pick up on, like, um, Afghan and, like, everything lines was like, inshallah, like, mm-hmm. now is, like, a reflex. And, like, we're, like, we're taking, like, something from them as well. Like, we're at least learning something from them as well. Yeah, we like, talk, yeah I feel like we, yeah, we touched on that a little bit earlier. Like, we're not trying to, like... You know, push their like culture and like their whole like livelihood off to the side. Now we're we're so accepting that, and like we're kind of learning more about it. like we learned about like we, when we talked to like our clients, we learned about their actual dishes, their foods, mm-hmm. what, what they did growing up. So like, you know, you build a real connection and you kind of learn about like their cultures and traditions. Yeah, and uh, I was thinking about this. So like, I recently so like I I was doing research for like because we have clients from Afghanistan, obviously. Um, about, uh, like, just kind of, like, just, you know, different cultural things, how they say hello, how they say goodbye, like, you know, hospitality and whatnot, and, uh, there was this one way of, like, greeting where you put your right hand over, like, your heart, and, like, kind of, like, slightly, like, dip your head a little bit and bow, or not even bow, but just be, like, kind of, like, nod your head, and, um, I was like, oh, let me try that with some of my Afghan coworkers and see what they think. And then, or, but, well, no, I didn't, like, just go up and, like, hey. I was, like, uh, hey, uh, dude, like, so I was reading an article about this thing. And he's, like, he's, like, yeah, that's what you do, you know, if you're, like, if you're, like, a man with, like, a, like a woman or, like, uh, someone in, like, need. But, like, if it's, like, a... If it's a guy, like, it's, like, guy to guy, it's not, like, it's not an insult, it's, like, kind of, like, a, it's just, like, out of place, you know? No, it's something you do, like, that's kind of, like, uh, I guess, deference. It's, like, a courting thing? Not a courting thing. It's, like, like, if you do an airport pickup, like, with, like, an, uh, uh, like, an Afghani family, just, like, do this, and they'll be, like, oh, yeah, you know, that's, like, it's kind of, like, a, I'm here to help. Oh. Or not, like, a here to help, it's, like. It's a compa- it shows compassion. Passion. Okay, I can see like over the heart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, that's like the yeah we got to be compassionate, you know. And I think that like, I think the the things you need, for me, in my opinion, like, that's the way to kind of like learn the best is if you have a question, like ask, yeah. you know, and be and like as long as you kind of like approach it from like for me this is what i think so if if you're trying to genuinely understand it then if you come from a place of of like an attempt to genuinely understand someone and try to 
ask for like basically their help for you to understand, then that's like the way to approach it. That's like a best practice. Yeah. To use that term that is overused. Yeah, I mean, I would say like, you never want to like go off of like just hearsay from other sources. You also want to talk to someone who's, you know, directly from it. That's mm-hmm. the best way I can say it'd be you know, culturally appropriate. Yeah, so to tie this back to tie this back to the Southern Fried essence, so here's I'm gonna ask you about something about NC a couple different ways. Alright. It's like, okay. <clears throat> hey, uh, y'all Hey, uh, Fred, I know you're from NC, so uh y'all got like that like smoked pork, right? We got or, or? Hey Fred, do you know how to, you know how to, you're from NC, right? You know how to make smoked pork, or you know how to make pulled pork, right? Or, uh, hey, uh, Prick, I wanted to, I was wondering if you could help me understand something more about uh, North Carolina. Like, how do you, like, actually do pulled pork? Do you pull the pork out yourself? Do you smoke it? Like, how does that work? Yeah, the third option is the best way to go about any, like, sort of, like, cultural topic. Mm-hmm. But... To answer that question, <laughs> is that is it time for burn ends? Yes, it is. It's time for it's time for burn ends. It's now time back to the uh, barbecue question. See, this is how it goes in, in NC. There's two di- distinct ways, and I know we went over this a while ago, but I'm gonna learn you guys again. Yeah, how do you pull that pork? Um, there's two different styles. Western style does whole hog. So, like, they will smoke it for, you know, however long the pit master decides. Usually it's going to be about a good 8 to 12 hours. Ooh. So, super fucking tender. Yeah, what's the And, like, they have, like, very crunchy, like, crispy skin for the pork and then they kind of chop it up. So, all their, all our pulled pork is basically, or, like, there's more chopped up pork. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eastern style mainly focuses on pork, pork shoulders. So, the fattier meat parts of the pork. And they only cook pork shoulders. Again, the sauces also divide them. What like Western uses vinegar based, Eastern uses more ketchup based. And when you go and talk about South Carolina, because South Carolina's mustard just bullshit. And all you South Carolina listeners, I want all the smoke. <laughs> I want all the smoke. He'll use it to. He'll use it for his pork shoulder. Oh man! So yeah, we 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 were kind of bickering about this a little bit, but uh, but like. So, so I was to ask you about Louisiana. I'll be uh, like, uh, yeah, so, like, hey Sam, I heard it's like mu- muggy down there in Louisiana. Sam, I heard all you guys eat is crawfish down there. Is that true? <laughs> like, hey Sam, I know someone called you a swamp donkey, and I know that's very insensitive. <laughs> stop, stop calling me a swamp. Okay, but, but no, no so, the third, the best way to go about it is like, hey Sam, like. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested about, like, Creole cuisine. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can tell me about that. Like, you know, all I know right now is, like, jambalaya, gumbo, um, you know, those things. Like, what what else am I missing out from Louisiana? Yeah, that's that's how you do it. So, like, here's a, here's smoked a smoked gator alligator. With a, like, smoked turkey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, dude, I love alligator. Honestly, like, yeah, that yeah. was one thing that I tried when I was in Florida. Alligator's not that bad. It, it, it just tastes like chicken. Yeah, it's just chewy chicken, dude. Yeah. How, like, because I know, like, Mardi Gras is a huge thing, and, like... Mardi Gras is a holiday, dog. Like, all in all Louisiana? No, or, I mean, like, it's... Or just in New Orleans? New Orleans, it's, like... 
Because I know like Mardi Gras is like a huge thing in New Orleans. Because everyone goes to New Orleans. It's not New Orleans, it's New Orleans. I like I say New Orleans. New Orleans, like no, it's like see, it's 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 one. That's the that's an example of not being culturally sensitive. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's also how I know someone's not from Louisiana, because they say New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleans. Like, also, when people say, oh, you're from Arkansas? I mean, yeah, but like, <gasps> Arkansas. I want all the smoke, Arkansas. Anyway, so, but yeah, no, so, yeah, Mardi Gras, it's just, it, it's French for Fat Tuesday. So, it's literally just the day before uh, Ash Wednesday in Lent, because like, and the reason it's such a big deal is because, uh, you know, Louisiana is so, like, heavily influenced, has so much French influence that, like, it just kind of was like, oh, yeah, it became a holiday. Like, we don't have counties. We have parish, you know, because that's how they divided things up. And, you know, like, also, the Louisiana, like, law is different because it's based off of French, uh, French, like, law codes instead of English law codes. Yeah. So... But you guys don't have a little common law tradition. Yeah, we don't have that. But yeah, um, I think that's all. The, I think we're about out of time. So uh, thanks for listening. Remember to please uh, like, subscribe, share around to your friends, uh, comments and topics you want us to talk about in future videos. Y'all be good, you hear?